Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Garrett Post. And I'm Justin Ruderman. And we're coming to you straight after Manchester City's win at the Etihad over Crystal Palace. And Justin, we were, of course, in attendance. It was our game of the week, and that is where we will start. Although, before we get to that, we'll just put out a disclaimer. We are flying to Barcelona tomorrow morning. So it is Saturday evening. So we have not seen anything that's happening on Sunday. But we are doing our best to uh, go over all the news from the past week since we last recorded and including some of the games from today. Um, obviously, including City versus Palace. So that's where we'll start, Justin. I mean, what a game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my first game at the Etihad as a Manchester City fan and after the first half I was worried man because it was the set pieces I mean first of all that the second corner shouldn't have even been a corner because I you've completely just smacked Cancelo in the face that should have been absolutely a yellow card and a foul right. but regardless our set piece defending was horrific in that first half um, and so if it weren't for, honestly, John Stones and Rodri having very good defensive performances in that first half, it could have been worse. And there was really not much going forward. Kevin De Bruyne struggled the entire game. I think we both thought it was one of the worst games we've ever seen him play. But it was in the second half, and City turned it around, and it was simply Erling Holland. Yeah, with the hat trick, right? Um, obviously, Bernardo Silva, via deflected effort, got the first goal back, and then three goals from Holland in less than 20 minutes. His first hat-trick for the club, and he became the first player to score a hat-trick in the Premier League this season. Um, European just, golden boot yeah, leader as well. Say, he, he now has the most goals in uh, across Europe's top five leagues um, with, with six but Justin, this is an occurrence that we were talking about this with Liverpool, how they've, they've conceded in so many games consecutively until today, spoiler alert, but <laughs> City have now gone down by two goals at some point in four of their last six games. The crazy part is that they have not lost any of them, but surely that is a pattern that Pep needs to figure out how to stop. Yeah, and he gave a quote after the game as well, talking about how Erling Holland allows them to come back from these deficits and that that hasn't been something that City have been able to do in the past. I don't know necessarily if that's true. Maybe from two plus goals, you know, you said in the past six games it's happened. Usually City, you know, sometimes City will go down one nil and then come back. That happens relatively frequently, but down two nil and then coming back, maybe not so often. Yeah, and Justin, I just wanted to mention the performance of Julian Alvarez off mm. the bench because I thought he was really impactful after coming on and obviously had that little flick on header to Foden, which set up Holland's first goal. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was a good sign from him. I, you know, Although Mares's first touch was a bit of a joke in that game, so good, he just really wasn't that impactful. And so I thought Alvarez was really impressive off the bench. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that flick on because I think it'll go under the radar. But it was the, the balls kept coming into the box. They weren't necessarily the best service, but Holland wasn't winning headers. Nobody was winning those balls in the box. And once Alvarez came on, he won that little flick on. He knew exactly where Foden was, created the goal. Uh, as you say, but yeah, Mares, the first touch is beautiful. He wasn't necessarily as involved. 
Bernardo actually ended up having a very good game, but in that first half, I didn't think was very fantastic either. Uh, we were he actually just, well, he just didn't get the ball. Like he just wasn't involved in the play. Really. Yeah, yeah. We were advocating for Gundo to come on for him, um, which you know eventually Gundo did come on. Not not for not Bernardo, for Bernardo. Though, yeah. Not for Bernardo. Put Bernardo on the right wing though, and I think that is what changed his ability because in the center midfield he wasn't as involved. Right. But once he got to the right wing and Marius came off, he was very very much involved and became uh, very impactful. And then, Justin, we did go to one other game this week, of course, Leeds versus Barnsley in the Carabao Cup. Um, we did a vlog on that. Our first vlog, the second one, will be this City Palace game, which we'll have out for you guys soon. Um, or actually, by the time this goes up, it will be out. Yeah, so will. go watch both of those. And then the Barca one, uh, by the time this comes out, the Barca one will be coming the It will be very week. soon <laughs> as well. So yeah, lots of content coming. And uh, we have a few other big games coming up Just later a few. next week as well. Um, so yeah, so much fun content, so many great games, but Justin, let's quickly go over some of the other Premier League action from today. We'll go to Anfield where Liverpool just murdered Bournemouth. That's the only way I can describe it. This was just unfair. Yeah. I mean, they tied the Premier League record for the biggest win ever at nine nil, right? We've seen, it just seems like it's been Southampton getting battered nine nil repeatedly. Right. Um, but you know. Not this time. It's interesting, though, because it seems like once you get to nine, I would think you would want to get those double digits and set the 10 nil record. I mean, why don't, why don't any of these teams do it? It's been a few 9 nil results. I I want that. Yeah. I want that. And I know this isn't the FPL show, Justin, but I have to mention <laughs> the fact that there were 18 goal contributions in this yeah. game from Liverpool, and Mohamed Salah had zero. And it, we both captained him, and I'm yeah. just... I want to bang my head onto the desk. like Especially when Holland me? scores a hat trick. But it's not even an FPL idea. I mean, if Salah is so uninvolved in the game, I know that, you know, Bournemouth were trying to press him. Uh, and yeah, they, they, him. They, were, they were saying, we don't care if you put nine passes. We're not letting Mohamed Salah score. But Scur that's a terrible you, strategy. Salah, captainers. Well, obviously. Uh, one thing I have to mention as well is the Southampton social media team. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Some fantastic memes. Like, <laughs> first time? No. No, definitely not my first time. No, no, so, no. Uh, yeah, so they, they understand the cherries pain. And maybe yeah, it's just if you a need south, a shoulder to cry on just Bournemouth. just a South Coast thing, just getting battered 9-0. Um, anyway, yeah, so that was remarkable. And then I will say, I have been a big anti-Bobby Firmino guy in the past. I do think he's very overrated, but two goals and three assists today. What a game. Have yourself a day, Bobby Firmino. Um, yeah, so... Crazy performance. And then elsewhere, Justin, we just had Chelsea beating Leicester 2-1, down to 10 men. Raheem mm. Sterling getting his first two goals yeah. in a Chelsea shirt. Um, and then one other big result was Brighton continuing their fantastic start um, against Leeds, right? We were there at the weekend. We thought, oh, you know, they're building momentum, keeping it up. Well, they couldn't muster anything today against Brighton. And then Arsenal continuing their perfect start, of course. And, and they remain top of the table as we speak with 12 points out of 12. Yeah, absolutely happy for Sterling as a City fan. I've, I'm one to, you know, be very happy for him when he succeeds. I think he is a Man City legend. And so any disrespect that he gets to me is completely unfair. I'm glad he's uh, finding his form at Chelsea. Uh, not that I want Chelsea to do well. Right. Um, but yeah, Arsenal as well and Brighton both having very, very good starts to the season. Right. And then Justin, Champions League group stage draw we had mm -hmm. on Thursday, I believe, or was it? Yeah, Thursday. Mm -hmm. And um, some really interesting matchups. What did you think, firstly, of Manchester City's group? Well, a lot of people were saying that Manchester City got an easy group. 
And I don't understand that at all because to me it is the second hardest group, right? We know that the group of death, uh, Group C. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's insane. Bayern, Barcelona, Inter, and then Pol- Vic- Victoria Poulsen. <laughs> Poor Victoria Poulsen. Oh, man. You saw the, the reaction. Thoughts and prayers for Victoria Poulsen. <laughs> there, there were videos that came out of the reactions inside the Victoria Poulsen locker room when they were all watching the UCL draw together, and it was just complete mixed emotions because everyone was like, oh, God, we don't want to face all these teams. Oh, we're going to get also, murdered. But also, yeah. we have the opportunity to play some of the best teams in the world. Yeah, they get to play at Camp Now. Like, that's incredible. And the Allianz. And the Allianz. And San Siro. Exactly. Yeah, I mean. But that is uh, just the group of death, undoubtedly. And, and, you know, Bayern are looking to do another battering of Barca, maybe. Right. But, But no, going back to Manchester City, I think it is the second most difficult group because other than that group of death, they're the only group to have three teams from top five leagues. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're not wrong. Um. It's a really solid group, and I don't know why. I mean, obviously, the Holland to Dortmund kind of reunion is yeah, going to be yeah. really special, so that'll be fun to watch. But I agree. Playing against Bayern, of course. Yeah, as well. yeah, of course. Um, yeah, and then, you know, I think Group A will be a fun group. Obviously, mm-hmm. Liverpool will be getting that top spot, I think, in almost everyone's opinion. That's kind of a consensus. Yeah. But, you know, second spot's kind of up for grabs. Like, you, you'd think, you know, maybe Napoli, but it, Ajax have some really good players, if, especially if they hold on to Anthony, right, under intense interest from United yeah. at the moment. And then Rangers-Liverpool, right, they've never faced each other in a competitive right. match. That's going to be super fun. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Group A as well. And, and then, Justin, I just wanted to ask what do you think is the worst group out of all of these i'm debating between group b and group d but i'm gonna have to go with group b because Mm. atletico to me are the only quality side in that group and you know group d the reason i considered it is because eintracht frankfurt are in pot one because they win the europa league right they're not a pot one team right spurs are still the better team but it's not as if Frankfurt are poor, and I think they're certainly better than Porto. So that's why I put uh, Group B as the worst one. Yeah, I, I think I would probably agree with you also because I think uh, Sporting are, are a decent side. Obviously, just lost Matias Nunez, so that's a big deal. But, you know, Frankfurt won the Europa League. As we know, Spurs are probably you know, one of the top pot two teams that there is. Right. So yeah, I'd agree with you probably B, but at the same time, I also think B is one of the most open groups. Like, could I see Atleti getting upset to that one spot by somebody? It's possible. So I think although it's probably the worst group, it might be one of the most entertaining. Well, that's what happens when the groups aren't necessarily great. It probably means that the teams are closer in quality. And so it's more of a toss up, harder to predict. Absolutely. Um, but with that, we can move to America and talk about a game which I really don't want to talk about, <laughs> Garrett. But it was Austin FC battering LAFC 4-1, getting their biggest win in franchise history. Right. Right. Um, they're trying to keep pace with LAFC. was nine points going into this game. Cut it down to six. So are Austin FC still alive? I don't even want to talk about the game because it was just... A dreadful defensive performance, completely, you know, disaster class from LAFC right. in almost every facet of the game. So I'm just going to focus on Austin and say, can they catch LAFC still? Is this still possible for them to win the Western Conference? 
I'm going to say in the regular season, no. But could LA, could LAFC get beaten by Austin in the playoffs? It's a definite possibility based on what we saw last night. I think LAFC definitely need to be wary of that. I, I think just with you know the amount of games we have left, only seven, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Austin will be able to make up that much ground on LAFC because LAFC aren't playing Austin every week, right? They'll beat most other teams in the league, um, you know, pretty much all of them that they're playing, uh, that they have left to play, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, but if these two meet in the Western Conference Final, which is very likely, in my opinion, um, I, I think, you know, we can't give that to one side or the other. That should be a, a fascinating game. I'm sure LAFC will show up a bit more. But the fact of the matter remains that this is the first and second best team in the league, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and Austin definitely have a chance of beating LAFC in the playoffs. But I don't think they'll catch them in the Western Conference race and in the Supporters Shield race. Yeah, certainly. I mean, they've, they're they 2-0, right? They've beaten right. home and away LAFC right. this season. It would likely, well, if LAFC you know, still finished first, as you're saying, it would be at the Bank of California Which Stadium. is a huge advantage, obviously. But they did show that they could do it, right? Lost 2-1 to Austin assist. Yeah, lost 2-1 to Austin FC earlier this season at home. So definitely going to be a very exciting playoffs as usual. And then, Justin, the one other big game that we had last night in MLS was, of course, part of the Cascadia Cup. Mm -hmm. Timbers against Sounders at Providence Park. And it was the Portland outfit who managed to find the win here. Um, And it's a huge win for them, right? Moves them into a playoff spot with seven games to go. Seattle continuing to languish. I mean, I don't know if they're going to make it at this point. I, I really don't, which is kind of just shocking considering where we put them in our preseason predictions, right? But, Justin, they are in 10th place on 33 points. Obviously, yeah. only two behind Portland with a game in hand and two behind Nashville having played the same amount three, of games. Three, uh, Oh, yeah, sorry, three. Yeah. Um, but They do have a game in hand on right, Portland. Right, so. right. But, but at the same time, if they continue this form, right. they're not going to get in. Right, well, we know Seattle generally start the season very poorly, and then at the second half of the season, they ramp it up and make a playoff run, and usually they'll finish you know, second, third, maybe even first in the Western Conference. They are always, that's always what happens. But the second half has not been able to turn around for Seattle this season. Um, yeah, it's it's a huge question. I think you know those first five are probably gonna all get in: LAFC, Austin, Dallas, Minnesota, and Real Salt Lake. Yeah. But those last two, I think are still completely up for grabs. If I had to pick, I would say Nashville and Seattle. I you s- still think Seattle are making it? I can't not think Seattle are making it. I just, they're, they're such a big club. Their team is too good. Their manager is too good. I, I just don't see how they don't make it. I know that Portland just beat them, um, but it was at home. The Portland fans were absolutely rocking. The TIFOs were absolutely incredible. Right, right. But, you know, Seattle still have a game in hand, right? They win that game and they're, you know, back level with with Portland. So it's it's completely up in the air with seven games to go. Even those even those top five, right? Seattle, Real Salt Lake could fall out. You, you never know. But for me, I'm going to have to pick Nashville and Seattle. Okay, I'm going to kind of contradict myself here, Justin. Uh, I agree with you that Nashville will get the sixth spot. Okay. I do not think Seattle will get it. I think Carson will. Ooh. I won't lie, but you're talking about the, the galaxy, by the way, right? Who else would it be <laughs> for those who don't know? Oh, right. Okay. 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 Sure. Um, yeah, we like to slander them on this podcast, but <laughs> I am backing them to get in the playoffs here. Um, they have only played 25 games. Ricky Pooja is going to start playing more and more. 
they're going to pick up form at, at you know in the back stretch of the season. Seattle doesn't inspire me with any confidence. We've been waiting on them to get going all season. So do I think they're just going to magically do it now? No, I don't. Um, and I think they've put themselves in a situation now. They've put themselves in a hole too deep to get themselves out of. So, um, yeah, I have the Galaxy finishing seventh as of now. Fair enough. And we can move to some MLS transfers because we had a good amount of transfers. And they were big ones this right. week. Uh, we can start with Georgi Mihaljevic, the attacking midfielder from CF Montreal. He's moving to AZ Alkmaar. Uh, it is a six million dollar or six million uh, euro. euro fee. Exactly. Thank you. Um, plus, they have a sell on, and Chicago Fire are receiving ten percent of that fee, so they're getting a good chunk just for you know the, their their sell on that they had. Right. Um, but yeah, he'll stay with Montreal the rest of the season, as is a lot of these you know MLS transfers abroad. But it is a club record fee for Montreal. He has been their best player. Uh, it's a huge pickup for AZ Alkmaar, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think it's a really good signing for them. I think it's a huge, huge, huge loss for Montreal. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's kind of like, although it's a club record fee, it's kind of on the low end in my opinion. Like, do I think that Montreal would be able to take 6 million euros and go find someone as good? Not really. Mm. Um, so I think honestly they should have gotten more money out of them. Um, if I'm being honest, they are second in the East. So... Um, I kind of think, okay, if they want to try to make a run at the cup while they still have him, they're going to have to do it this year, obviously. Right. And they have a chance. Like, they have a very good team. But next year, it's going to take some doing to replace Mihailovic for sure. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if we, he had gone for 8, 10, we wouldn't be surprised. No, I wouldn't have batted an eye at 10, to be honest. I really wouldn't have. Exactly. And another guy who, you know, was worth 10-plus at one point, but also went for $6 million this time, plus a 20% sell-on. So... Really about eight, kind of like eight, an yeah. eight million dollar valuation, right? Um, it is Brian Rodriguez from LAFC to Club America going to the super team of Mexico. They just buy all everyone. They are ridiculous. Um, but you know, Brian Rodriguez was bought by LAFC for eleven million dollars. They're taking basically, you know, a, a relatively large hit on that. A yeah, few like million. almost fifty percent. Like yeah, well, if you include the sell, yeah. But it's okay, yeah. But it's still you know a considerable loss because. It just hasn't worked out for Brian at LAFC. He's always been, you know, a very direct player and one that wants to make things happen, but his finishing product has just never been there for LAFC. Yeah. That's exactly how I would, how I would describe it. Um, but I, I think it was kind of time to move on between those two. I think as much as, you know, he is still an exciting prospect and something LAFC like could develop more, he's just kind of shown that, you know, he's he's probably not there for LAFC at the moment and it's cup or bust right absolutely and so just having a player with all this ability but not the results which is what LAFC mm -hmm. plain and simple need and are after sure. it makes sense why they decided to part ways with him um, he wanted to leave right obviously he's not first choice at the moment or, or wasn't right right and but Justin they did replace him with a new winger Christian Teo the La Masia product mm -hmm. tell me about him well, another Lamazi product we mentioned, Ricky Pouge. Now we got another one. Right. Um, but yeah, from from Real Betis, a left winger. Um, he's 
the thing about it is, to me, reports say that he will be a DP this year, and then LAFC will try and buy that contract down to a TAM next year in order to make space for Bale to become the DP. Right. But it's just um, a complete mess to me there. I don't know exactly what's going on. But on a free transfer, I think he's a very quality player to right. bring in on a free. Right, You're selling Brian for $6 million and you're bringing in a player of similar quality, probably better, hopefully better, um, for a free and so I think that's interesting, but I don't know that he'll start, right? Because Dennis Bawanga is also coming right. and is also a left winger and is also very, very similar of a player to Brian Rodriguez. He's very direct, uh, wants to make things happen in that way, but... You can also play Bale on the left. Like, right. You have so many Spoiled attacking for options that I don't really... Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I don't really see where Teo fits in to to the squad and um, like I just don't think he'll be that's why playoffs I, first choice winger. That's why it doesn't make sense that he would be a DP. That's why I don't but I but guess if he, I mean he won't be next year but yeah, I, do you think this is kind of a abandon the future for the cupper bus mentality kind of signing? Not like abandon but but it's definitely seems like they're being a bit reckless with next season in order to just have the best possible squad going into the playoffs this year. Yeah, I don't think so because they're still going to try and keep the squad together, but it's the pieces around those, you know, four or five attacking players that we don't know if they'll have the money to keep up. And so that's the question yeah. for me. And speaking of big attacking players, Justin, mm. Alexander Isak, the striker, the the Swedish striker from Real Sociedad has moved to Newcastle United. We've been talking about this for months. When are they going to make the big splash? attacking signing and here it is 65 million euros with 5 million in add-ons um and you know club record signing yep. huge huge addition a six-year contract um i mean this is an incredible signing in my opinion obviously a lot of money but you know this is a guy that arsenal were after before deciding to go after uh, jesus which has you know worked out kind of well um, <laughs> just a bit <laughs> just a bit um but yeah i think they needed the firepower although Callum Wilson's playing really really well right now this is that big name, you know, striker, not only for, for now, but also for the future, who could carry them into Europe. Yeah. Uh, I predicted them to finish in Europe this right. season. I predicted them to get that seventh spot and make the Conference League because I thought they would make a signing just like this. I know they were going to spend. Did you think it would be this big? I knew, yeah, I really did. I was thinking like Memphis Depay. This is way bigger than that. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. It is bigger than Memphis Depay. And I think. Um, this is what I expected. I expected a 70 million, you know, price tag player because that is what Newcastle needs. Right. Euro, to euros, push them. not pounds, just to be so. It's, it's like 60 million. Yeah, still, still a lot of money. Still a lot of money. And when you look at his stats, it's been absolutely incredible. Since his debut for Real Sociedad in August 2019, he has scored 33 league goals for the club, Garrett. The only players to score more while age 22 or younger in Europe's top five leagues Erling Holland. Duzan Vlahovic, Kylian Mbappe. That's mental. What elite company. Yeah. This, this guy wow. is go about to tear up the Premier League. I'm telling you guys. He, he is ready. Absolutely ready. St. Maximin, Isak, Linkup. I'm telling you. Pe people don't realize how good Alexander Isak is, I think. A lot of people might not know him. You know, Real Sociedad, uh, maybe not. You know, as no, no one about they kind of know him from when he was playing with Odegaard and they were ripping right. La Liga together. And we we've seen how good that Odegaard guy is. He's not half bad, is he? No, but I just yeah, I think it's gonna work out absolutely fantastic. I think Eddie Howe 
Uh, what we know about him is he puts players in their absolute best position to get the absolute best out of him. And so maybe it'll take a little bit of time for Isak to settle, but I don't think it should take too long uh, because of Eddie Howe and his great man management in that way. The one thing I will say is that Newcastle do have to be kind of careful with their finances. Obviously, they have an insane amount of money, but the amount of money isn't the problem. As an Everton fan, I can tell you that right? It's about FFP. And the fact of the matter is that they've spent over 200 million pounds without selling a single player. Well, that's the benefit of taking over from a, a owner who didn't spend at all. Right. right? So they because have leeway, but they, they have a they... lot of leeway because, you know, FFP is a three-year, you know, bracket that they always look at. So in the past two years, <laughs> they, they, spent, nothing, they yes. spent nothing and they've been making money. Right. And so then it allows them not only to spend, but spend even more. And so that's why I think uh, it's, while Newcastle do have FFP regulations, they can uh, rise a little bit faster than maybe expected. Yeah, and, and I don't think that they're going to end up falling into the trap that Everton did. It seems like they're running this project a lot smarter than Mashiri and Steve Walsh, who makes me want to vomit every time I say his name, did. <laughs> um, but yeah, huge, huge signing for them. And then Speaking I mean, of Everton, yeah. Garrett, Neil Maupe, I mean, without DCL, right? There has been no striker, except Rondon's been on the bench. And, and Everton yeah, have not well, been... No, I mean, he started a couple games, but calling him a striker is a bit generous. He's <laughs> well, kind of just like someone who can chest down the ball, and that's about it. Yeah, and for me, DCL hasn't been able to stay fit. He was injured at the beginning of last season. I know he came back at the end of last season. But now he's injured again. Uh, hopefully he'll be back for the Merseyside Derby. We'll see. But Everton definitely needed another striker. And they got that in Neil Maupe, a fee of around £15 million, pounds, a three-year deal with an option for a fourth... As an Evertonian, how, what do you think about this? Do you like this? Is he the right guy? Well, I mean, he's not going to be a starter unless we switch to two up top. Do mm -hmm. I think that him and DCL working off each other could work? Yeah, I do. I would not want to defend that if I was a Premier League center back. But what I'll say is that he fits the identity that Lampard's going for. Mm -hmm. Very hard worker, right? Like your Richarlison's, like your Anthony Gordon's, like your Alex Willoughby's, right? Just putting an insane amount of mileage tons of pressures, tons of defensive actions in, you know, from, from the attacking positions. Mm -hmm. um, and he's just a, he's just a shite house. Let's just be honest. Like if he is on your team, you love him. If he is not, you hate him. Like, oh man, Arsenal fans are, are just fuming every time they see this guy's face on their TV because of the way he's wound them up in the past. Yeah. Um, so do I think he's like the highest quality player? Nah. I mean, he scored 26 goals over three seasons. He's underperformed his XG two yeah, out of those likely. three seasons. Like, he's not the most clinical finisher. That's but my I, worry. I do think he's better in possession than certainly Rondon, but it's not like D DCL is great at, you know, interchanging with the ball at his feet. He's more just a lump it in and I'm going to head that thing in, yeah. the, in the back of the net. So he's a different kind of aspect or element up top than we have, um, which currently right now is literally nothing. So <laughs> it's an upgrade over that. I can't complain. The only thing I was kind of upset about is that we didn't um, get the signing done in time yesterday before the noon deadline for him to play against Brentford today. Yeah. We drew 1-1, probably deserved to lose. Brentford hit the woodwork three times, wow. um, but we also had chances to win it, to be fair. Um, but had he have played today, could it have been a different story? Maybe. But that being said, I don't think DCL will be fit for Tuesday um, for sure. So I think me and you at Ellen Road... In the Everton away end, that's another one of our games coming up. I think we might see his debut up top alongside maybe Gray and Gordon. Yeah, that would be absolutely interesting. But yeah, the, the XG underperformance is what I worry about for Neil Maupay because that has been Brighton's problem and, and his as well. But uh, it is another big one. They've all been big ones this week. As I said, Lucas Paqueta, 
the attacking midfielder coming from Lyon to West Ham for 43 million euros plus 17 million in add-ons. That's a lot of add-ons if he can yeah. you know, achieve them, of course, that is. Um, but they signed a 25-year-old to a five-year contract. So what do you think about the signing? I mean, he's, his stats look really good, but it is in Ligue 1. Right, yeah. <laughs> so like the FB ref, you know, yeah. all his, his main stats do look good. Um, he has he had 14 goal contributions two seasons ago, 15 last year. So you know, quality, not bad for Ligon. You could definitely expect more for that amount of money. But I mean, this this kind of I won't say it reeks of desperation. But West Ham haven't scored a goal yet. Obviously, they yeah. play, they play tomorrow and they might. But they are the only club in all of Europe's top five leagues without a win and without a goal. So they obviously need something to change. They have Skamaka. I think Antonio's offered next to nothing. And we were talking about this, that I think Skamaka needs to start. And Paqueta could be someone to deliver for him, right? And and create some chances. So I get why they're doing it. Um, I, I think they're definitely going to need him to produce in order to not finish in the bottom half, to be honest, with the way that they're looking at the moment. Maybe that's a bit of an overreaction. But... Yeah, Justin. So, one thing—the one thing I'll say—is that we saved the biggest transfer for last. Wesley Fofana to Chelsea. Obviously, a saga that's been going on for quite some time, right? But seventy-five million pounds, including add-ons. There were rumors that he would end up being a world record transfer, but no. Don't worry. Harry Maguire is still the biggest center back transfer out of Leicester, and one of the <laughs> biggest flops in the history of the Premier League. I don't think Fafana will be like that in any way, shape, or form. An incredibly talented player, still only 21, and they've tied him down to a six-year deal, just like Isak right at Newcastle. Um, this is a huge get for Chelsea. They obviously lost basically their entire back line. They added Koulibaly. They still have Aspilicueta, but this is a young center back who they can build the team around for years and years to come. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you put him, slot him in at the right-sided center back. It allows Reese James to go back into his wing back position. When he, he, got, he got an assist from right center back today, by the way. Yeah, he, <laughs> they've always been, yeah, shifting that formation with him in there and, and Loftus-Cheek. But, yeah, I don't think that this goes wrong in any way for Chelsea. I know, obviously, a massive fee. Um, and so if it does go wrong, it goes wrong yeah, badly. Yeah, big, big expectation. But I think that he comes in and, yeah, with Koulibaly and, you, you know, Aspicolette or Thiago Silva, whoever you put in oh, there with him. Thiago Silva mentoring Wesley Fofana? That's a joke. Yeah, I mean, that back three is really, really, really quality. Um, and especially, as you mentioned, they lost their basically their whole back line for the most part and had to replace. Um, or but, the center backs, at least, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Chilwell came. They did replace Chilwell essentially right. with Kukurea. I mean, their defensive options are a joke now. Yeah. Although, you know, Chilwell, Kukurea, and Reese James aren't really like defensive options. No, no, Obviously, no, no. very attacking wingbacks. But you look at that back five or three and two wingbacks, and like that is some high quality stuff right there for sure. Yeah, well, that was, I, you know, I predicted Chelsea to finish sixth because I wasn't sure if they were going to make, I was, you know, I said about Newcastle that I knew they would make that type of signing. That's why I put them higher. I wasn't right. sure that Chelsea would pull this off. But once Wesley Fafana posted on his Instagram story, all I want is to go to Chelsea. <laughs> I, I knew it was done. I knew it was done once I saw that. No, I totally, I forgot about that for a second. Yeah, that was crazy and then deleted it like a minute later. Yeah. But I mean, I'm pretty sure the transfer got confirmed like a couple hours later. So yeah, apparently yeah, yeah. Leicester were paying attention and they gave him what he wanted. But, you know, they get a huge fee. They honestly, I think they need to sign someone before the end of the window. Oh, sure. They have looked horrible. And they have the money now. They have the money now. Oh, so they have a ton of money. Surely so they have. They got to go get somebody because they just are lacking in a lot of areas right now. Um so, yeah, and they lost to 10 men, Chelsea, right? The guy they just sold Fofana to, 
uh, Gallagher got sent off with second yellow in the 28th minute, and Chelsea won this game 2-1. Oh, like, yeah, that's... yeah. No, I think that we both think Brendan Rodgers is getting sacked this season. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think he's getting sacked Early. before before Halloween. Ooh. I'm going to put it out there. Wow. I was going to say before Christmas, but that's ambitious. All right. Okay, how about how about I'll meet you in the middle and go Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, Justin, we can close off the episode with our moment of the week. What was yours? Yeah, well, mine is really a follow-up on my moment of the week from two weeks ago because two weeks ago, it was um, Malik Tillman finding the winning goal to send Rangers to the UCL playoff, but now he found the assist in the UCL playoff to send them to the UCL proper, Americans doing the business, and it is that makes the first season since 07-08 that Celtic and Rangers will both be in the Champions League. So huge for Scottish football um, and huge for Americans to be doing these type of things in Europe. This is a absolute pipe dream, but can we please get a Celtic Rangers round of 16 tie? Imagine. That would be absolutely insane. But it Imagine. It's not, yeah, not going to happen. It's not going to happen, but <laughs> that mean, is... A, a man can dream, right? A man hey, can I dream. mean, Liverpool have been putting up weird results until today, so you never know. Yeah, and then speaking of a team whose dreams have been coming true, Justin, Crawley Town beating Premier League side Fulham in the Carabao Cup third round 2-0. To advance to the third round. Oh, sorry, to advance to the third round, yeah. right, in the second round. Yeah. Um, just an incredible result, right? They are in League 2, yeah. the lowest tier of professional football in England. They've beaten Fulham, who it's not, not like... They're relegation fodder, right? Like Not they've right looked, now. They look decent. They almost beat Arsenal today until they collapsed relatively late. True with right? Liverpool as well. But the crazy thing is that Crawley Town kind of are relegation fodder in League Two. They are. They have one point through five games. They're in the relegation zone. They're about to go down to the National League potentially. Yeah. And they just beat Fulham in the Carabao Cup. I mean, miracles do exist, people. This is why we love the Cups. The Cups are... The, ma- the magic of the Cup. The magic, the magic of the Cup. Of the Cup set, whatever you want to call it. It is absolutely beautiful. And then, Garrett, we do have to preview our game of the week. We've previewed, what, City against Forest, uh, Barca, Leeds, Everton. But none of those are our game of the week. No. Because it's the Merseyside Derby, Justin. Has to be. And we're sitting in the front row. (sighs) The atmosphere is going to be incredible. Do I expect a result from this game? Absolutely not. (laughs) But I'll tell you why this is fulfilling like a huge dream of mine. Um, obviously, it's the second to last, or I guess the penultimate, if we want to be fancy, the penultimate derby at Goodison before the club moves to the new stadium at Bramley yeah. Moore Dock um, in, in just a few years' time. So it's going to be a once in a lifetime kind of thing, Justin. I hope you're looking forward to it as much as I am. Not quite. I don't think that's possible, but well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, but it. at least you're not you're not like dreading Everton losing like I am. So that's because that's the one. Oh, fair enough. But fair I'm, enough. I'm hoping you know we, we've been able to pull off draws against them there in the past. So I'd take a point. But hopefully we can get a win at Leeds before then, right? And the team will have a bit more confidence. But yeah, that's going to be our game of the week. It's going to be just an incredible experience. And we will, of course, be vlogging it and showing you guys just how incredible that atmosphere is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And shout out to those Evertonians for hooking Garrett up. We are sitting front row. We're not paying a cent for those tickets. Tony Sampson, you absolute hero, chairman of the EFC Fans Forum. Have to give him a big shout legend. out. Just incredible. What a legend. 
Um, you know, I, I thought we were really going to struggle to get tickets to this game, but you know, we're literally going to be able to touch the players taking throw-ins on the Goodison's uh, Goodison stands. We won't touch them, but we no, could. Well, yeah, well, I might yell a few things, but you can yell okay. at Trent. Go <laughs> ahead. I'll yell at Trent. I'll yell at Trent. Trent, you know I will. <laughs> Salah, and have have a good time, man. But with that, Justin, that brings this episode to a close. Be sure to follow us on all of our socials. That link is in our bio. Go watch those two vlogs we were talking about. Justin, we will be at camp now in less than 24 hours' time um, for Barca against Valladolid. They just registered Jules Koundé, by the way. Well, we could see his so, debut. So we might see his debut. Obviously, Lewandowski, all these big-name players. I cannot wait for that. We will be vlogging it, of course. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, yeah, it's been a great episode. It's been a great week. Uh, really looking forward to all the content that we have coming forward. Yeah, man, this trip is absolutely surreal, and it's just getting started. Thanks for watching.